You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You are listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm Gil Martin, a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and unfortunately, my co-host J.J. Leahy is not here today. He is unfortunately dealing with a death in the family and is unable to make it for this week's podcast. We wish J.J. All the best to him and his family and our condolences at this difficult time. But hey, we're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Lots to cover on today's show as the Packers are fresh off of their 24-14 win over the Chicago Bears. And hey, anytime you beat the Bears, you know that's a good thing. Green Bay now winners of five straight. We are five and one, two games ahead of both Chicago and Minnesota in the NFC North. And yeah, uh, heading back to Lambeau Field this weekend to take on the Washington football team. And uh, Washington comes in with a record of two and four. They've lost two of their last three. And we're going to take a look at some of the key matchups in this game on Sunday. Been an interesting week for the Packers. Injuries continuing to mount for this team, and that is definitely a concern. In last week's game, Darnell Savage goes down. Uh, He is still up in the air for this weekend's game. Preston Smith suffering an oblique injury. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. Savage is trying to get back from a concussion. He did not practice Wednesday, was limited in practice Thursday. Preston Smith has not practiced all week. Then, of course, Kevin King, who missed last week's game with a shoulder injury, limited in practice on both Wednesday and Thursday. And boy, the Packers really hopefully can get Kevin King back into the lineup because of the questionable availability of Preston Smith and with Zadarius Smith already out and injured uh, the Packers go out and sign Whitney Merciless and uh, he I don't know if he'll be ready necessarily for this week but he certainly does add something to the Green Bay pass rush that they really do need and realistically uh, the Packers Getting thin at the edge rusher position if both Zadarius and Preston are out and, you know, oblique injuries can be tricky. Well, you know, that leaves Rashawn Gary, who is ready. And, yeah, Jonathan Garvin has stepped up and played better than expected so far. But over the long haul, adding a guy like Merciless certainly helps the Packers' depth at that position. 
Before we get started with the matchups today against Washington, wanted to go back and review last week's predictions. JJ had predicted a 31-14 Packers win in that game, so he was off by only seven points in his prediction. I had predicted 24-20 in favor of the Packers. That means I was off by six So right now I have uh, 76 points and JJ has 104 points being bad in this. It's sort of like a golf score. And uh, JJ, before uh, he headed for uh, the funeral that he's attending, he did give us his prediction and we'll have that toward the end of the show. And look, you know, some of the keys looking ahead at this game for the Washington uh, versus the Washington football team. One of them has got to be this, the red zone defense. And it's been a problem for the Packers all year long. Uh, amazingly enough, Green Bay dead last in the NFL right now in red zone defense. And opposing teams have actually scored a touchdown 100% of the time that they have been in the red zone against the Packers. That means not once did the Packers force a field goal or uh, turn the ball over or force a punt with a sack or a penalty. 100% of the time, uh, opposition play uh, teams have scored when they get into the red zone against Green Bay, and that is just not a sustainable statistic. Now, The amazing thing about it is that Joe Barry's defense, before you get into the red zone, has been surprisingly good this season, especially after the week one debacle against the Saints. So what do they have to change in the red zone? You know, usually when you get closer to the end zone, there's less room for offenses to maneuver. They don't know exactly uh, you know, they, don't, they they can't stretch the field the same way because they run out of room when you get near the back of the end zone. But right now, the Packers have to work on their assignments. You know, some of the cornerbacks that the Packers have, Kevin King uh, among them, they tend to give a little bit more of a cushion than what people would prefer. And you can't do that in the red zone. Uh you know, running backs have gotten open, tight ends have gotten open, receivers have gotten open, the pass rush hasn't gotten there. This team has to make adjustments inside the red zone if they really hope to find a way to improve in that area because it really is a concern. Now, looking at this matchup, one thing I think the Packers should be able to do against the Washington football team is throw the football. They are ranked dead last in the NFL at passing yards allowed per game. Opposing quarterbacks, opposing teams have averaged 309.5 yards passing per game, and that includes the sacks that Washington has gotten uh, against the opposition. So, You know, they're vulnerable against the pass. And Green Bay, with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, really should be able to take advantage of that situation. And, you know, William Jackson III, one of their starting cornerbacks, been limited all week in practice. 
uh, with a knee injury, and it does make a difference there uh, as far as his ability to cover. I don't think that the Washington football team has anybody who can really slow down Devontae Adams that well. And even if they double Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers has other alternatives here. You certainly could go to Lazard or Randall Cobb. Robert Tunyon has got to get active in this passing offense. He has been a bit of a disappointment this year so far. And it's not just his pass catching or lack thereof. His run blocking has been absolutely embarrassing. And he really needs to improve that. We you know, expected more from him. He's, I mean, run blocking is not his forte, but the effort has to be there and it has to be at least acceptable. Doesn't need to be, you know, Mercedes Lewis level, you know, great blocking, but PFF, I have never seen a lower grade in any category before than the grade I saw Robert Tunyon get for run blocking as of the first six games of the season. But Tunyon should be available in the passing game, and I think the running backs should be available in the passing game. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, uh, if the Packers feel the need to go back to checkdowns or shorter passes or quicker releases, you know, you could always get Adams on those short, quick-release passes and make him uh, give him a chance to run after the catch. He's so elusive at that. Certainly Lazard with his size, Cobb with his ability to get lost in the middle of the field. These are favorable matchups that the Packers should have in this game. And I think it's important that, you know, they take advantage of it. And Aaron Rodgers should be uh, able to have a very strong game against the Washington football team. Now, their run defense is a little bit better. They're in the middle of the pack, 19th in the league, averaging 113.5 yards given up per game. And again, to me, what the Packers need to do, even if they're not having an outstanding game, do not abandon the running attack. You have two running backs here in Jones and Dillon that have very different styles that can you know, if one isn't working, if, if Jones isn't doing his thing with his speed and his outside running ability and his cutting ability, Dylan certainly can get the job done inside with his ability to run between the tackles and his quickness and size. So you, to me, you feel out which one of the two backs is having more success. How is the running game attacking the opposing defense and You take what's working, and you build on it. Both running backs average more than five yards a carry. The Packers had more than 150 yards rushing against a pretty solid Bears front seven a week ago, and that includes some kneel downs by Aaron Rodgers, both at the end of the first half, one, and then a couple in victory formation at the end of the game. The Packers' offense can do so much more when they don't abandon the run, and Usually when they're not having success, that's, it happens when Matt LaFleur gets away from calling the running game. And, and look, maybe Rodgers is changing some plays at the line of scrimmage and 
anytime there's an RPO, he's going pass instead of run. But they've got to stick with the running game and be able to, uh, you know, keep defenses honest, set up the play action, set up a diverse amount of play calls, and then take advantage of it. Right now, through six games, the Washington football team is dead last in the NFL. They've allowed 186 points, and Green Bay does need to take advantage of that. Obviously, pass protection is always an issue, especially with the Packers' offensive line being as banged up as they are. It's, you know, things are getting healthier. We saw Elton Jenkins return last week. He looked a little rusty early, but got better as the game goes on. And Jenkins is, you know, a a, a much better left tackle than Yash Nijman. I mean, realistically, when Jenkins is in there, you don't have to chip. You don't have to keep a tight end in. You have a lot more flexibility uh, as far as the type of plays that you can run. But the key matchups here, you have Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat, who are both on the left side of the Washington defense. Those are their top two sack getters right now. They each have three. And that means that it's going to be... Uh, Royce Newman and Billy Turner most likely lined up against them with Chase Young on the left side. He is third on the team with one and a half sacks, and Young will probably be primarily the responsibility of Elton Jenkins. And these are going to be key matchups for the Packers right there because, you know, if Aaron Rodgers has decent time to throw, he should be able to pick apart that Washington secondary which has struggled all year long. And, you know, watching the All-32 on some of these uh, Washington games, they seem to have trouble communicating, uh, making adjustments during a play, and really uh, making things happen when conditions change on the field. So I think Aaron Rodgers... The way he reads defenses, he is a master of taking advantage of situations like that. And I think he will indeed get that job done. And, and I'm confident that the offensive line can, can protect him enough that he can be extremely productive against a vulnerable Washington secondary. But big matchups there with Allen and Sweat coming off the left side of the Washington defense, going up against Royce Newman and Billy Turner, and Turner quietly has been consistently good. Not outstanding, but good, and he has certainly been a leader uh, on this offensive line, which has been dealing with so many injuries. Now, offensively, Washington's best running back is Antonio Gibson. He did not practice on Wednesday, was limited in practice Thursday due to a shin injury, and uh, he is a big part of this Washington attack. He leads the team with 357 yards rushing, averages four yards a carry, and has three of the team's five rushing touchdowns. No other runner on this team has more than 25 carries or more than 100 yards besides quarterback Taylor Heineke. 
And Heineke is interesting. He he started the last five games. His quarterback rating is solid. It's 86.9. He's thrown nine touchdown passes against six interceptions. And, you know, his arm strength is serviceable. It's not great. He's mobile. He can avoid the pass rush at times. But, uh, you know, he's a good emotional leader and the kind of guy that, you know, can rally a team when he's on his game. If Antonio Gibson is limited, J.D. McKissick is the next man up for the Washington running game. But uh, Heineke, I think, you know, if Green Bay can get some pressure on him, then they are going to be in pretty good shape. And, you know, again, he is mobile, but and he's only been sacked five times, and Washington has only given up six sacks all year. So there will be a little bit of a challenge for Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin and Kenny Clark, who I think has done a very, very solid job for the Packers. I mean, Clark has gotten back to a Pro Bowl level. As far as receivers go, you know, Terry McLaurin is Washington's top receiver. He missed practice on Wednesday, was limited in practice on Thursday, dealing with a hamstring. Curtis Samuel, another wide receiver, hasn't practiced all week. He's dealing with a groin injury, uh, but Samuel, not as big of a contributor as it is. And McLaurin is really the guy they have to stop. And the reason that that's going to be a bit of a challenge for Green Bay is the secondary. We don't know about Kevin King, whether he'll play, how much he'll play. Chandon Sullivan actually did a pretty good job when he was out on the field as the slot corner against Chicago. I think that, you know, they'll keep him predominantly in that role, especially if Darnell Savage is unable to go. Henry Black did a nice job filling in for Savage a week ago, and if necessary, I think he'll be able to handle that role this week as well. Uh, Isaac Yadam really looked bad in the opening drive, drive and a half against Chicago. He was benched after that, and Rasul Douglas came in, and Douglas played okay. He was certainly better than Yadam and gave the Packers secondary a lot more to work with. So, uh, again, you're not facing elite quarterbacks here, but I think Heineke, uh, Heineke rather, even though he's only started 14 games in his NFL career, with five of them coming this year, I think he's a lot further along in his development and is a lot more capable of taking advantage of any problems in the Packer secondary than Justin Fields was a week ago at this stage in Fields' career. So, you know, the secondary has to step up. And if you think about it, you're missing Jair Alexander, your top cover corner. You're missing possibly, likely, although we won't know until game time, Darnell Savage, uh, one of your very strong safety duo. Kevin King, we don't know whether he'll be ready to go and be back. He's dealing with the shoulder injury. So, you know, you're leaning a lot on Eric Stokes, who they will need to play well. Uh, And I would think 
you know, if King can't go, it'll be Stokes predominantly on McLaren, uh, McLaurin rather, whereas uh, King would probably draw that assignment if he's healthy enough to do it. The other thing you want to look out for uh, would be throws to the tight end, and Ricky Seals-Jones has shown flashes for the Washington football team. He was limited in practice Thursday due to a quad injury, uh, but again, we're waiting to see uh, whether or not he's going to be available for Sunday's game. And yeah, it, it should be an interesting matchup in that respect. Another area the Packers obviously still need to work on, and it's been frustrating uh, week in and week out, and that is special teams. Now, we saw uh, Corey Bjorquez blast an 80, what was it, an 82-yard punt uh, last week against Chicago. That was the second longest punt in franchise history. Don Chandler had a 90-yard punt against San Francisco back in 1965. So, uh, you know, that was a bright spot, and Bjorquez has been a, a bright spot all year. Mason Crosby, thankfully, did get back on track, and that was vital. But, you know, then you have the situation where the coverage teams are just still questionable at best. And Green Bay needs to make sure that Washington does not tilt the field. Look, Green Bay on paper is the better team. There's no question about that. But you have to make sure that special teams and and other uh, little intangibles, turnovers, special teams, you don't want Washington to hang around, get confidence, get a couple of lucky breaks or big breaks, and then all of a sudden feel like they could pull off the upset. And Washington does have a good return man in DeAndre Carter. He's already returned a kick, 101 yards for a touchdown. He's averaging almost 26 yards per kick return for Washington. Uh, And he's also not a bad punt returner, averaging 9.5 yards per punt return. So, you know, Washington... To, you know, the Packers can't let him tilt the field. And Bjorquez certainly helping by punting the way he's punted. And it was so good to see Mason Crosby hit all his extra points and hit his one field goal last week. I wasn't overly concerned about Crosby. He is a veteran. He has seen it all. Every once in a while, he'll have a terrible game like that. I think back to the to the twenty. 18 game in Detroit that, you know, he missed four field goals and an extra point and that cost the Packers possibly a win. But then he was great. I mean, almost unbelievably consistent for the next two and a half years. So look, if if that Cincinnati game was Mason Crosby's rough performance for two and a half, for the next two and a half years, and we won that game anyway, I can deal with it, and I'm not overly concerned uh, in that regard. So the Packers back home will be wearing their 1950s-inspired throwback jerseys on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. You know, to me, 
it's nice one game a year that they're wearing a different jersey that celebrates the history of the team. You know, the blue and gold jerseys that they were wearing for these games in recent years, they were, you know, nice and different and spoke about a throwback era, but I'm always, I've always been partial to the Packers' identity as the green and gold. And having these green throwback-inspired jerseys to me, or retro jerseys, whatever you want to call them, I'm looking forward to seeing what they look like and, and how they look on Sunday. And, uh, you know, the Washington football team will be in their predominantly white jerseys with the burgundy and, and gold trim. I think it'll be a good overall combination of jerseys. And uh, you know what? You win in these jerseys and everyone's going to love them. And uh, the bottom line is that the Packers have to find a way to win this football game. And, and, and I think they will. Now, we know this week another piece of big news that we had. David Bakhtiari practicing with the team for the first time since he suffered that serious knee injury before week uh, 17 of the 2020 season. He is practicing again. I don't think we're going to see Bakhtiari on the field on Sunday. I think the Packers will continue to bring him along slowly, and it's going to be a question of this in my mind. Will they have Bakhtiari ready for Thursday's game against Arizona? And by the way, we will be putting our show up early, probably on Wednesday of next week, so that we have a complete preview of that Thursday game for you, and JJ will be back for that. Uh, Or do they wait until after that short week where you have sort of the mini-buy, another week and a half uh, of rest, and then have Bakhtiari in the lineup for Kansas City? The bottom line is, with the pup list, you have what is essentially a three-week window after Bakhtiari starts to practice to either activate him or put him on season-ending injured reserve. Barring a physical setback, the Packers will almost certainly activate him, and logically, he will become the starting left tackle. And then the question becomes, how do you think Matt LaFleur and Adam Stenovich are going to handle the offensive line. Do they move Elton Jenkins back to left guard, where he made the Pro Bowl last year and was, you know, an excellent player? And then, if they do that, does Lucas Patrick continue at center until Josh Myers is healthy again? And then who plays at right guard? Do you move John Runyon to right guard? Do you keep Royce Newman there? You have another option. You can move Elton Jenkins to center, a position that he played extensively in college. Uh, And then you can keep Runyon at left guard and Newman at right guard. You could uh, also theoretically move uh, Elton Jenkins to right tackle because he can play there. Uh, Lots of options for the Packers to decide. In my mind... Uh, I, I think you put Jenkins back at left guard. You leave Bakhtiari at left tackle. When Myers comes back, he's the center. Uh, and then whoever's playing better, whether it's Runyon or 
uh, Newman, they stay at right guard. Billy Turner's been steady and done a good job um, on the right side at tackle. I would leave him there. But overall, you know, this is a good problem to have. And it's still at least a week away from, you know, needing to resolve it because Bakhtiari, very unlikely to be back for this Sunday's game. And I I think it's more important that they be cautious because not having David Bakhtiari against the Washington football team, a team that is two and four, you know, not ideal, but they can handle that, especially with Elton Jenkins back in the lineup. But not having him for... Arizona or Kansas City or some of the other tougher opponents that come up over the next few weeks after uh, this game against Washington, you know, that would be worse. And certainly we know how much the Packers were hurt last year in the playoffs when they didn't have Bakhtiari at left tackle. And I wonder if Bakhtiari would have started whether or not the Packers might have won that NFC Championship game last year had David Bakhtiari been healthy and in the lineup and and Aaron Rodgers had better pass protection than he was able to get against Tampa Bay. But look, that's all speculation. Nothing we can do to change that outcome. To me, the important thing is to have Bakhtiari healthy and back into playing shape and playing form back on the top of his game come December, January, and maybe possibly, hopefully, even into February. If if he misses this game, if he misses the next game, you know, I'd rather have him in the lineup than not, but I need him healthy for the stretch drive and for the playoffs, and that has to be priority one as far as the Green Bay Packers are concerned. So it's time for our predictions, and uh, fortunately I was in touch with JJ before he headed out for the funeral, and uh, he did send us his prediction. So JJ's pick is Green Bay 31 and Washington 13. I am looking at a, a slightly different margin. I think the Packers will win it 34 to 21. You look at what the Washington defense has done since week one. They've given up 29 points, 43 points, 30, 33, and 31 in the last five games. I would find it difficult to believe that the Packers wouldn't put up at least 30 in this one. So my pick, Green Bay 34, Washington 21, and we'll see how J.J. and I do. And, And again, we're keeping running tabs on this throughout the season. So looking forward to this game. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Again, we'll be here early. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go!
You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.